Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. And welcome in to the 100th episode of the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I am Noah Yingling, one of the co experts of Rocks Pile. And as always, I am joined by my friend and fellow co expert, Kevin Henry. Kevin, how are you? No, I'm doing well. Happy 100th episode, my friend. I'm excited about this. Yeah, and we just finished recording our interview with a very special guest, and that is the governor of the state of Colorado and Jared Polis. And I have to say, before I get your reaction on what he said, great job by you. Because that was 100% you of securing it with him and his team and all that. And on the record and off the record, great interview. Yeah, you know, Governor Polis is, is such a big baseball guy, not just a Rockies guy, but a baseball guy. And, and his office was great to work with me uh, whenever we said we weren't going to talk politics, COVID, anything else. We were just going to focus on baseball. They were all in. And so uh, a th- big thank you to Governor Polis, as well as his entire team that helped make that happen. And, and thanks, Noah. I, I was, you know, that's one of those things. I didn't tell you about it for a long time because I didn't want to jinx it until I actually knew it was going to happen. So you will hear Governor Jared Polis of the great state of Colorado coming up in the second half of our podcast and his reaction to, you know, what the Rockies need to do to get back to Rocktober, as well as we ask him a very controversial question, umpires versus automated strike zone. So you'll have to stick around to hear what he says about that. And it's very interesting to see, because especially 
Oh, um, for most baseball fans that are under the age of, well, dare I say it, younger than you. Um, it doesn't take and, much, Bill. I hate to tell you. It's a low <laughs> bar, man. <laughs> and Governor Polis is in his mid-40s, and he is very much a baseball purist. And that was one thing after, and I, I think he would be fine with me saying this, that after we recorded, he gave us some thoughts on some of the things that, some of the recent changes in baseball and he not a big fan of them. No, no, definitely a purist. <laughs> and I, th- I think you'll pick up on that during our interview for sure. But uh, you know, whether you're a purist or not, whatever it is, you're not happy with this lockout and you're not happy with the, the lack of progression that has happened. And, and as we record this, uh, there's still some talk about mediation versus not, what the next step might be. But no, I think one thing we can't agree on is that this is going nowhere fast. No. And in fact, I had an article on Rock's Pile earlier this morning as we're recording this on Friday, but you're going to be hearing this probably on Monday or after that, um, of how the lockout is becoming more and more like the 94, 95 strike. And not that. And then, I mean, 25 years ago, it was a strike and a lockout. So obviously there's that differentiation, but the problem with the 94 strike was that they, they, they played without a CBA from December 93 and then the players went on strike. I believe it was August 11th of 94. They didn't end up playing with another CBA until the end of the 96 season. Hmm. But at the time, what the owners, it was, I want to say it was October 94. I believe it was, it was, yeah, it was the end of October where um, at the time, president Bill Clinton stepped in and said, we need to figure something out. So he put in a uh, federal mediator and that was the former secretary of labor under president Gerald Ford in the seventies. And it led to absolutely nowhere. Nothing happened. So that's the thing that is talking being talked about of, Oh, the owners want a federal mediator. It's posturing. It it doesn't really matter because a federal mediator can't, make the sides come to an agreement what ended up happening in the 94 95 lockout is that happened in october the federal mediator came in and it wasn't until the end of march of 95 where a uh federal judge ruled in favor of the players and that federal judge happens to be a supreme court justice now in sonia sotomayor so it ended up taking a long time and even in other sports like in the NHL, they and really this would be the best case scenario for baseball right now is they had a federal mediator come in and then it still took a month, month and a half for them to come to an agreement. Yeah. So uh, really, that's the best case scenario right now. And then still, if you're looking month, month and a half, you're looking at the beginning of March, mid-March. And then you're having to scramble for the uh, the regular season. Now, there's some people who will say, oh, if spring training doesn't start the next two weeks, we can't get a season. As I said, uh, as I semi-famously said on 
the DNVR podcast last time we were both on there. Poppycock. It's a bunch of bull. Yeah. You don't need six weeks of a spring training for regular season player or for MLB players. That's ridiculous. It's too long as it is. Make it three weeks. You, they can very easily make it three weeks. And you can very easily start a regular season on time as long as you agree to something, or even if you have to push the week, uh, the season back a week. Yeah. They did that in 1990 with the lockout that they had then because it was during all the spring training. So they just pushed everything back a week. Yeah. And, and I think we have a very recent example of the pandemic and the summer camp. Let's not forget that that happened that, that was hastily put together to get ready for a late July start to the year. And if you look back at some of the comments that were made by players about the summer camp experience and how it was kind of condensed, they weren't big fans of it. Now, granted, that was a whole different scenario in home ballparks, the alternate site, all that. So this would be different because you'd still be at your spring training sites. You'll still be in Arizona or Florida. But I still think that the players are going to push more for that time to get ready and have the season pushed back than they are to try to condense it and, and then have something start on March 31st. I just don't see March 31st happening. I, I really don't. Yeah, I, I, I really don't either. I mean, we can, we can hope, but considering that, as I said in that article, MLB owners keep shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. And that, especially being someone that one of my majors in college was history. It's amazing how often people don't learn from history. No, I, I agree. And, and one of the biggest things that I think is hurting baseball fans right now is the fact that there was a month where really nothing happened, yeah. maybe even longer than that. And now all of a sudden there's this urgency to get a mediator involved. And I think that's where a lot of sour taste came in because, as you said earlier, the posturing and how it looks for the MLB, because now they can say, well, we tried, but there was no trying in the weeks before this, you know, when something could have been done over the holidays or the very start of January to at least kickstart something. And now that the calendar turned to February, all of a sudden it's a priority. And so, yeah, they didn't, they decided to do nothing in December, which that's your first problem. Right. And then they decide after a month of quote unquote negotiating, which that's a loose term. We're not going to make a counter offer to the MLBPA who made an offer on Tuesday. So, okay. You do want to negotiate. You claim you want to negotiate, but you don't want to negotiate. And a month in, you're going to call in a federal media when even in the 94, 95 strike. Okay. A mediator was called in, in the end of October. They were without a CBA for 10 months. You're already at that point now. That's a bunch of bull. Yeah. That is a bunch of bull. Well, and I think, you know, and you wrote an article about it for Rockspile. Uh, you know, the, the players are starting to come out and say it's a bunch of bull. And, yeah. and I think the players, uh, they're getting frustrated. It's very obvious if you look at social media and some of the things that are being said. You know, Tyler Matzik has become a must follow on Twitter. I'm just going to tell you, he has really has become one. But, you know, you talked about Dustin Garneau and his reaction, you know, former Rockies catcher. Uh, You know, there's a lot of guys out there who are like, you know, let's let's do something here. And I really wonder 
is there going to be pressure put on the MLBPA from the player side of things to get something done? Or are they going to be able to say, you know, hey, we're doing what's best for the game. We're doing what's best for future generations. Just just be patient with us. And something that I think that to the, uh, to the casual fan, they saw the news that was yesterday. Now it's a few days ago when you're listening to this of for the Rockies or for, for the Rockies, for Major League Baseball of, oh, OK, we're going to give triple a six more games this year okay that's that's great because okay there's more baseball and more triple a games and all that it's not as great as you think because that really that tells you right especially with the timing of it and timing is always key on things and you look at the timing and you're like oh well okay the the, the season's gonna be delayed because okay MLB knows there's going to be a lockout. I mean, just it comes on the same day as, okay, we want a federal mediator. Okay, so there's your your first thing. Secondly, if you look back, and again, learning from history, seeing what happened before, 1981, there was a strike in the middle of the season. Mind you, there's no cable TV at the time, unless you're watching, like Kevin at the time, watching WGN or (laughs) watching TBS, Cubs and Braves. Yep. Otherwise, it was just local TV networks and they were still broadcasting triple A, double A, single A games. And the radio stations did it as well. And in some occasions, they even used MLB broadcasters like for a, the most prominent example I can think of is the Angels. I, I forget which minor league team it was, but for the Angels, they sent their radio broadcasters, which at the time it was. uh it was Bob Starr, Dick Enberg. Um, obviously, everybody knows who Dick Enberg is. And they sent Don Drysdale. They might have sent Ron Fairley, too, because they, they had four broadcasters at the time. But they, they would send them to minor league games and, hey, broadcast this game. I guarantee you that's what MLB Network is going to do. ESPN, maybe even TBS. Will local ones uh, on radio, will they do it? Maybe not. You look at AT&T uh, Rocky Mountain and they could very easily, very easily do isotopes games. Yeah, it, it's going to be something to watch for sure. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be very curious what happens. And obviously, again, you know, a miracle may happen. I'm not counting on a miracle. I don't think anybody is. No. Uh, but I think that there is there are absolutely plans already being made for what if and what could be depending on how this timing looks for sure. I, for so many things, whether it's baseball or just in general, it's, it's kind of a pessimistic way to look at things, but at this point, just expect the worst. And if something happens, like a few podcasts ago, we were talking of, wow, they had an eight minute conversation. Wow. That's great guys. Right. Like, okay. That, that's better than the three minutes you had before. Small goals. Small goals. <laughs> Small goals. Yeah, it's a low bar. It is for sure. So yeah, so as you know, as I look outside right now, lots of snow on the ground. Uh, you know, ready for baseball, ready for warm weather, ready to be back at the ballpark. And obviously, I think a lot of folks are frustrated. You know, they're they're losing any excitement for baseball. And and I think that you know, as we've discussed on previous podcasts, what is going to be the thing that comes in and resurrects baseball again? Because something's going to happen. It's going to have to happen. 
for yeah. people to actually care again if this gets stretched out too much longer and it looks like it's going to. And uh, again, with learning from previous history, look at the attendance numbers from 94 to 95. They dropped 20%. Sure. And then the only way they got it back, and this is something we've talked about a lot recently with Hall of Fame, is steroids. That is the only reason yep. why they got it back. Absolutely. And that's honestly, that's why Bud Selig's in the Hall of Fame. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? I'll flat out say it. Pardon my French. Hell no. He should not be in the Hall of Fame. He's the reason why they had the strike because they got rid of the commissioner before that. And I've, for once, I was actually a decent commissioner in baseball. Um, the last two have not been so great in the last 30 years, have they? Um, yeah. So you had a commissioner at the time in 92 that was saying, hey, we, we need to be somewhere in the middle ground. And Bud Selig, who was the owner of the Brewers at the time, he and Jerry Reinsdorf primarily said, no, we're going to try to railroad the players. So you need to resign. So that's exactly what Faye Vincent did. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a mess right now. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat it. It is a mess. And, you know, hope upon hope that something can happen soon, but until then, we're going to keep pumping out the articles on rockspell.com. We're going to try to give you the information not only there, but also on callofthepen.com uh, for other teams outside of the Rockies if you're looking for your baseball knowledge. But, hey, we are excited, as we said. This is the 100th episode of the Rockspell Rockies Report. When we come back from break, Governor Jared Polis of the great state of Colorado will be joining us. We're going to talk Rockies. We're going to talk MLB All-Star Game. We're going to talk about his love for baseball and what it's going to take for the Rockies to get back to Rocktober. That's coming up next here on the Rocks File Rockies Report. And welcome in back, I should say, to this episode of the Rocks File Rockies Report brought to you by rockspile.com. We are honored to be joined today by Governor Jared Polis of the great state of Colorado. Governor Polis, how are you today? Hey, Kevin, I'm doing great, thanks. And uh, I think we're all... Uh, excited for uh, spring training and uh, baseball getting back. We are ready for it. We are so thrilled to have you on. Super excited about this. And I'm going to let Noah lob the first question at you. And we're just kind of going to hit you up with some questions about the Rockies and and your love of baseball. Great. Let's do it. And in fact, the first question for you is where did your love from baseball come from? Well, you know, um, I, it really came from uh, my my mom. My mom uh, was actually my little league coach when I was like five, six, seven years old. Um, and then I played little league all the way through and went on to play uh, high school ball. But uh, she loved it. Um, my grandfather, her father, uh, was uh, from New York, but was actually a Reds fan. So um, remember the big red machine that era. So um, uh, he uh, sort of gave that to her and she gave it to me. And so our whole family is a big baseball family. So my siblings and I both, and, um, you know, I, I, uh, some of my very first memories when I was five or six years old, visiting my uncle Paul and Aunt Ivy in New York, I went to a Yankees angels game and, and, uh, at, at Yankee stadium. So it's, um, you know, it's been a lifelong love. And of course, as a Colorado, and I was thrilled to see major league baseball come to Colorado. Absolutely. And as the governor of Colorado, we've seen you step into the batting cage a few times, whether it's in political ads or getting ready for the all-star game. I'm curious, how often do you actually get your swings in? 
Well, uh, most recently, last week, I was down at uh, in Pueblo at uh, Baseball Mill, which is a great, uh, great facility there. I was it was my first time in kind of a high tech batting facility where it's like a video game where it actually shows you where your hit would go, like single up the middle, you know, uh, ground ball to shortstop. Uh, but no, I, I live in Boulder, so I'm often at the batting cage in Boulder just for fun too. And and uh, and then when I was on the congressional baseball team for ten years we had practice every morning in season from six to eight in the morning. So we practiced, you know, not three, four days a week for about a three month period. And that was a lot of fun too, off of live pitching. And speaking of which for the congressional baseball game, how serious does that game get between the two sides, whether it's Republicans, Democrats or Rockies and Dodgers fans or other teams like that? Yeah, so everybody, um, it's Democrats versus Republicans, and so uh, both uh, parties field teams. It's all it's all for charity. Boys and Girls Clubs of Washington D.C. They raise quite a bit because it turns out there's a lot of people that want to pay ten or twenty bucks to watch members of Congress make fools of themselves on the ball field. But the best <laughs> thing is playing in a major league baseball stadium, a national stadium, beautiful stadium. If you've been there, just great. I've been to many games there. I've thrown out the first pitch there, by the way, too. So the only two teams I've thrown out a first pitch for are the are the Nats and the Rockies. Um, and uh, but no, you know, being able to play in a big league ballpark is is just incredible. Um, you know, to play a full game. And I'm the all time. RBI leader. Uh, don't anybody say it's a junk stat uh, for the, uh, in the major league baseball game. I have 15 RBIs across nine years. They usually got to be fourth or fifth. I love the source of pride of that. That is awesome. <laughs> well, and you know, part of the, the pride that has come from the state of Colorado during your tenure as governor has been the all-star game coming here uh, last summer. What was that like behind the scenes to actually have that all come together in such a short amount of time? So it was amazingly fast and quick. And, and the main thing that we in Denver and Colorado really had going for us is just we're, we're able to move quick and we're ready to go. So as you probably know, we were making a bid and we're well positioned for a future all-star game. So we had a lot of that lined up uh, for three years down the road. And we went to all those partners and were, you know, essentially said, you know what, um, instead of uh, <laughs> in three years, how about in three months? Uh, and so we, we got really everybody on board and, and, and almost all of it came together. The fact that we were able to do it quickly with a quality experience, uh, the Rockies organization did an amazing job. City of Denver did an amazing job. Um, and, uh, and really, it was a great experience all around. Now, uh, for the Rockies, I mean, it. And if you look at the history of the game, it's a fairly new team coming into the sport in 1993. What did the Rockies mean to the state of Colorado and the growth of the state? So it meant a lot because when I was um, growing up, I used to occasionally go to Zephyr's game. Some of us remember the Zephyr's, right? Um, yeah. I believe at the time they were a Brewers farm organization, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they might have switched at some point, but... Uh, you know, and every now and then there'd be a major league star that went down and you get to see them because they were, you know, doing some rehab games or whatever. But we uh, are a huge sports city, a huge sports state. Right. I mean, we love our sports, but we did not have a baseball team. I mean, some people were uh, Cardinals fans, you know, to the east. Um, I my second favorite team to this day and, and my favorite team before the Rockies started with the Padres. Um, love Tony Gwynn, that era Padres. Uh, but, you know, getting Major League Baseball in Colorado was huge. Um, and we have fans beyond Colorado. So, I mean, you know, Wyoming, Nebraska, really the whole area, we're just uh, the center for the sports region. I've got to ask, how many games do you actually get to go to each year? And would that number be more if, if you weren't governor? 
Yeah, for sure. I would go to, I would, would be, so I used to have uh, a quarter share of season tickets with some friends. And so um, I, I didn't quite make it to a quarter of the games. I often, you know, gave them out to, to other folks too, but I was at, you know, I was at, re, you know, re, fairly regularly games every other week, that kind of thing. Um, now it's, it's harder. And, um, you know, I, I make it to several a year for sure. I mean, I hope to make it to three, four or five games this year. And, uh, of course, if we have a good uh, Rocktober again and a playoff run, you can count on me for being in some of those games too. There you go. Now, for for you being in the batter's box, since you're a great RBI hitter, um, who would be one pitcher that you would love to face in the batter's box? Well, you know what was cool for me? Um, we I used to do Rockies Fantasy Camp down in Arizona. So um, again, before when I had more time, and I want to do it again someday because it's a lot of fun and and you get to play with uh, you know. So and at that time, um, I got to hit off of Goose Gossage, who you remember joined the Rockies organization for a while. Um, now you know he was he was probably in his fifties, uh, but he could still you know bring the heat. Um, and I was able to foul it several times off of Goose Gossage's <laughs> fastball. Um, you know, which I, I I think he was probably in the you know mid to high eighties. Obviously, in his prime, he was you know he was one of the uh, best and fastest pitchers in baseball too. That would be a pretty cool thing to be able to say. I gotta be honest. Yeah, I, I wanted to say I got a hit off Goose Gossage, but all I could say is I got three foul balls off Goose Gossage. So, where's your natural position on the diamond? Uh, where where do you feel most comfortable playing? So, um, you know, for the, in the congressional baseball, uh, team, I, I generally played left field and center field, mostly because I was a younger member of Congress and I had, I still have some wheels. So, I mean, you know, but, but where I'm more comfortable is first base, the hot corners, first base and third base, um, especially first base is where I played. But, um, as you know, in baseball, they're generally going to stick the less mobile, you know, older players that can still hold that down and not move as quick at first base. So I didn't get to play that for the uh in a congressional baseball game but yeah first base is my natural position i pitched uh, a bit in high school too I, I like pitching um you know unfortunately i don't have the, the heat that's needed uh these days <laughs> um a moment ago you were talking about uh how your second favorite team is the padres and you like tony Gwynn. is he your favorite player of all time and and by the way my third favorite team is the nats just because they invite were kind enough to invite me to throw out a first pitch so that of counts course. for something so they're my third favorite team um yeah i mean what well, you know tony Gwynn, great player i mean obviously rocky's organization todd helton is just an iconic player too and hopefully hall of famer uh soon and and, and great player but uh, you know everything if you know about tony Gwynn, just such a class act on and off the ball field um, you know, one of the, if not the best, you know, single doubles hitter of our time, um, just an incredible, incredible person went on to, as you know, coach at, uh, SDSU for the Aztecs over there. And then of course, as you also know, and it's important to point out, he tragically died and cancer related to chewing tobacco and he became a messenger against tobacco chewing later in his life. And that's an important message for young ballplayers too. I mean, just don't start with that stuff, you know, gone too soon. Absolutely. You know, so I've got to ask you a controversial question. Are, are you a guy who enjoys the human element with the umpires behind the plate or a guy who would like to see an automated strike zone brought in? No, a hundred percent human element. It's all about the optics and where your pitch, you know, sinks and how it's framed by the catcher. I mean, this is part of the game, how you get the umpire to call a strike. I mean, I uh, would be very disappointed to see that replaced by robotic calls. I mean, this is the human element of the game and it's very much part of the game for catchers and for pitchers. And then the last question I've got for you, 
for the Rockies, obviously they haven't played well in the last few years, but what do you think it will take for them to get back to October? Yeah, well, maybe we're due for a good season here. Um, first of all, we need to stay healthy through the year, of course. Um, and we have, a, you know, hopefully some of our young talent will, will pan out. Um, I, I think there's a move towards, um, um, you know, getting some, you know, you have to work with what you have. We actually had a good record at Coors Field, if you recall, and a horrible record on the road. And that's, yeah. you know, and, and I think you almost need to have, uh, you know, that that's, you know, when you, when you dig down on that and, uh, you know, I, you know, the, and, and the statistics and everything, I think you almost need like a different strategy. Maybe you need to feel some different, different players and different styles at home on the road. Cause what you're doing isn't working. It worked at home. We have winning team at home, but a winning team at home only gets you half of the way there when you have, a, I think it was the worst road record in, in all of baseball, if I'm not mistaken, I think NL and NAL. Uh, and you just, you just can't, you can't, you know, you can't make it to the, to the playoffs with that kind of game playing on the road. So I'd, I'd like to see them lean into that is what I'm saying. So let's look at, okay, what's different. Do we have some pitchers that perform better? Well, you know, maybe you need some pitchers that uh, perform better at home and maybe it's the heat. Maybe you do some junk ball uh, throwers on the road. Um, and, 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 and then, you know, you also look at your batting lineup and see how you can optimize that. Well, governor Polis, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on. I love picking your brain about baseball and uh, we're looking forward to a good season at Coors Field and hopefully seeing you there. Let's catch a game there. I can't wait to see you all there. Go Rockies. <laughs> Thank you, Governor Polis. And thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of the Rocks Power Rockies Report. And just like Governor Polis said, go Rockies. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.